good morning, guys. We're back with another RB Coaching podcast. Uh, I'm saying good morning. It's a Wednesday morning. Um, we had a very special night last night. Tuesday night was a big day for England. We've managed to win a knockout game against Germany. So uh, I'm obviously here with Ryan, ready to discuss the big match. Ryan, how are you doing? Very well. Um, looking forward to an exciting podcast. I think the spirits are very high um, in the RB staff camp. I'm sure the players are really excited. Um, everything England at the moment, isn't it? You know, yeah. and um, yeah, it's coming home, Kieran. Fingers crossed. I think we're going to start with England just purely because of how special that game was last night. Um, but it's quite interesting as well. It's the first time me and Ryan have actually been together to do a podcast. So it's the first non-socially distanced podcast. So fingers crossed things are going in the right direction that way as well. Um, but let's crack on. Right. England to Germany nil. How pleased are you to begin with that we've got that game out of the way and we managed to do it in 90 minutes? Really pleased. I think... Um... The result speaks for itself. It's a nice, it's a nice um, sound, isn't it? England to Germany nil on home soil. Um, beat the Germans. Fair play to the Germans. They're a, they're a good team, but I think um, I think yesterday England tactically got it right and really stifled the Germans um, and stopped them playing their usual game. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a even game of chess for a while, wasn't it? And um, England got the job done. So, yeah, we're into the quarterfinals against Ukraine. Yep, Ukraine, Ukraine did the job last night. Um, I've got some ties with Ukraine. My granddad is Ukrainian. So, um, either way, come Saturday night, I win. <laughs> let's um, let's have a chat about the, the tactics then. So, look, we've got an RB coaching group chat and with all the coaches. And before the game, there was more dismay. People not happy with the team, seeing the five at the back, seeing that Grealish had gone out of the team. First of all, probably I, I was of the opinion, I'm not sure about it, but when you look back at it now, he got it spot on, didn't he? He matched the Germans <laughs> up with the five at the back. I, I think we speak for the whole country and probably everyone listening on this podcast. I don't think, again, I don't think anyone would have picked Southgate's team last night. Um, I, Well, it's not surprising, is it, Kieran? It's not surprising, um, but um, yeah, it, it, it's 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 it was the right call, wasn't it? Really, um, matching the Germans up in a in a in a three. I guess I guess England last night were more of a three four three rather than a three five two. Um, maybe a little bit different to to Germany in that respect. But you know, going one v one down the sides, I think we had too much power for them um, down that down that side, um, and we we did defend as an eight. Mm-hmm. Really, it, it was a it was a back eight, a back three. Two wing backs made a five when the, out of possession. Rice and Phillips, two sitting players screening. You know, it's, it, it, with Pickford included, it was a back eight, and it was kind of like a back eight and a top three. And we were speaking off off air before the podcast. It, it's literally a, a back eight and. Let's see what the top three can do, and and that's how it's kind of panned out. And, and is that the way forward? Is, is that is that what it's going to be for the rest of the tournament? Look, if it if it wins us the tournament, then I'm happy. <laughs> um, it wasn't an easy watch. The first the first ten fifteen minutes, I couldn't believe how well Germany had settled into the game. Obviously, there's forty odd thousand England fans there. Basically, um, it's a massive game for everyone involved, and Germany just took it in their stride, didn't they? Kroos and Goretzka straight away passing the ball. They were getting on the ball, looked confident. I was thinking, oh no, this could go. The wrong way but I don't know gradually we built into the game we got into the game I think do you know what scared me as well Rice getting that yellow card early doors 
How well did him and Phillips do to to not end up going to stay disciplined? Yeah, yeah, yeah bit, you know, huge credit to them. But Germany did take control of the game very early on, and England couldn't get their pressing game in at all because they were just way off it. And Germany had possession without purpose. I think we can, we, we can probably say that. But I, I think I think England's best player on the night was actually the crowd. I I think the crowd got the got the players back into it. A few tackles, a few um, potential attacks, got the crowd up and um, up and happy and, and, and shouting and clapping. And I think that really inspired the players. I think there's a few things that go, that go unnoticed with that. Though. I think if you look at Calvin Phillips, for, for an example, he's not probably, you know, your standout player every time you play, but little things that he does, like the big tackles that he was winning, Almost, he, I don't want to say he leaves one on a player, but when he wins a tackle, he doesn't just win the ball, he goes through the player at the He's same tough. time. He's and tough. that is, it's those things that are going to inspire the crowd. And like you said, that it did, didn't it? Yeah, it's, it's tough. You know, I, I've been critical of Phillips and Rice in previous podcasts, and I, I'll stick by it in terms of their imagination on the ball and the mm-hmm. creativity isn't world class, but they did a job last night. They, they kept it simple, they broke up play. Um, Maguire, Maguire won his headers, Walker. Didn't make any mistakes, and I was worried about that. Stones for me is turning into a, a proper centre half now. It, you know, yes, we know what Stones can do on the ball, but he hasn't actually had a very um, creative tournament. The way England are playing is a lot different to how they played maybe two or three years ago, where Stones was the fulcrum and everything went through Stones. It's it's very different now. We're probably not taking as many risks, and Stones is just turning into a bit of a. I guess, dare say it, but more of like a head it and kick it centre-half. I was going to say, it was the aggression for me last night that yeah. was there. You see on a couple of slow motions, I think Werner went through a couple of times. And um, Stone's positioning to begin with was perfect. He knew exactly the way he wanted to show Werner. Yeah. But it was also, you could see it on his face. He was like, I am not letting you get a shot on roll. And it's, it, I think that that is across all of the players at the moment. There's something in that team, regardless of who plays, they know when they get on that pitch that they've got a job to do and it might not be the prettiest thing. It might not be the best thing to sit down and watch, but somehow we're getting the job done. Agree. Agree. And I think, I think there's a massive togetherness there within the players um, as well. Um, Saka, Kieran, did, did okay? Technically did okay? Travel with the ball okay? I think, yeah, I think that that's probably his biggest asset for me is the, the way, how easily he, he travels with the ball. Um and and again, he did it against the Czech Republic in that game, and he was he was brilliant in that game. He wasn't didn't have as mu- as much of an impact last night, but he still he was a one player in the first maybe 20, 30 minutes that was able to get the ball on the half turn instead of play safe. He thought, right, I'm going to take it upon myself. I'm going to travel 15, 20 yards. That is so important to a team, Agreed. especially when you're getting pen back when you've got Goretzka, you've got Cruz keeping the ball there. If you give the ball away straight away, you're defending straight away. Saka gets you up the pitch, and you're in a different position within. 20 seconds. Same with Sterling as well. Yeah, I, thought, I thought Sterling was really good last night. Mm-hmm. I think his use of the ball was, was good. He committed three three players to every time he had the ball, which opened space elsewhere. He looked a threat, got in goal-scoring positions. I think I think he had a really good game last night. Um, and Harry Kane got his goal, didn't he? Yeah, I was going to say, so obviously we, we've kind of spoken about the first half there. We, we, we've said it wasn't really like the prettiest watching. It, it was a nerve-wracking sort of game. It, it was on edge, like you said, chess game, both teams trying to figure everything out. But yeah, Harry Kane was, was kind of out of the game for, for certainly most of the first half. And even the second half, he was he was not involved in the game at all. He, he obviously was doing what he does with Spurs, where he was trying to come deep to get on the ball. Um, I'm of the opinion sometimes that strikers can end up doing too much. For me, I'd I quite like him to just continue to be a nuisance up against the centre-halves, but he was struggling. Hummels was winning everything against him. 
all the headers he was winning. Um, but he's done what all good strikers do and, and stayed in the game and, and eventually eventually got his goal. Do, do you think there was was a difference in the way that England came out for the second half? Or what do you think it was that kind of was that click that that made um, you know that made it happen for England? Is there anything that comes to mind for you? Uh, okay, maybe a little bit more territory. Sterling travelling with the ball a little bit more. I think that that open up game. Grealish coming on, pin them back a little bit more. Um, I wouldn't say anyone. Well, I wouldn't say anyone was outstanding for England second half, you know. But I think we were better than the Germans second half. I think the Germans really, really struggled with their tempo and their accuracy. And I think we won a lot of second balls. It was like an ugly, ugly second half. England really, I think they, I think they outran and out, out fought the Germans, which was which was good. Harry Harry Kane for me. We're going back to him. I, I still think he looks off it mm-hmm. in terms of his touch, and I, I don't think he's sprinting. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't. You know, he's quicker than you think, Kane. I just don't see sharp pressing. I don't see a sharp burst of pace away from people. But we we analysed the goal earlier, didn't we? Mm. You know, if, if you look at Kane's movement before he scores by taking a defender with him, created the space for Grealish to have a bit more time and space. Kane ends up in that really dangerous area in front of the goal and obviously gets his goal. It's a quality finish as well. People people might think, oh, it's just a basic header, you're six, you're six, seven yards out. If you look at the way Kane had to adapt his body shape, and we'll get onto our crossing finishing later, but the way he had to bend his neck and direct it downwards, it's, it's an incredible finish, mm-hmm. a really, really good finish. I think, yeah, it, like you said, I, I probably didn't even spot it, but you spotted it straight away, how clever he is with his run. For anyone listening, honestly, go back and watch the goal and see how many times... Um, Harry Kane scans before he doesn't even get the ball but see how many times he scans to see where his teammate is he sees Grealish over his shoulder and he, and he holds his run um, purely because he knows if he waits two or three seconds more and then makes a dart and run he's going to create space for, for one of his teammates and honestly th- those are the things in football anybody listen to this that you won't you won't appreciate them until you're able to see them and that is what makes the, the, the top players the top players like we might say look he hasn't done much in the game but Yes, he's ended up scoring that goal, but he was instrumental in creating it as well. Agree. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the tiny details. Um, even even the first goal, guys, that Raheem Sterling scored. Um, if you watch Grealish, the way he he stopped the ball before he passed it to Shaw. Now, by stopping the ball, it allows Shaw to um, come come a little bit later and arrive on time. But also, the stop the stop touch from Grealish stopped the Germany players. And when they're stopped, they find it harder to push and accelerate to go and stop Shaw's cross. If Grealish keeps that ball moving, the Germany players are still moving and they probably go and tackle Shaw's cross. So it's just just fine little details. And I think Grealish made a difference, didn't he? Even though he didn't have many touches and involvement, Mm -hmm. he he was involved in the two big plays of the game, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, and I still still think he should start. He's got got to start. Because going into the next game, hopefully two games, could be Ukraine, it could be Denmark's um, Czech Republic. Surely we're going to have the ball. Yeah. So, so we need to find a solution. We can't play a back eight against Ukraine, can we? I think I think you'll change it next game. I think first of all, it's hard to drop anybody from that performance. But if he does change it, and I think he will, I think he'll go back to a four at the back, which means either Trippier or Trippier or Walker will miss out, and then you've got a space for a creative player. Knowing Southgate, it'll probably be Mount. Yeah. Mount will probably come back in, but. I mean, I, th- I was listening to it earlier on one of the radio stations that you've got Mount Foden or Grealish that you could bring in. If you if you closed your eyes and picked any one of them and go, 
oh, I've got Mount, or oh, I'm fine with that. I've got Grealish. Mm-hmm. But you can you can do a job with any of them because they are so talented. And yeah. we haven't really been in a position like that as even no, fans. Or it's that Sancho team. and Rash, Rashford's had it a kick. Hardly played. You know, and he was a, he was a definite starter. Um, yes, yeah, so I think it will change it up. I, I think the country wanted to kind of change it up. But th- this, this is a big debate, isn't it? Yeah. Because, yes, we're winning and we haven't conceded a goal, which is like incredible. But there's still something inside me, you, maybe the staff, maybe everyone listening that still wants Southgate to go and play them attacking players. But what, like you said earlier, if we win it, playing how we're playing it, do we complain? Or, or is Southgate still the man to take us forward? What, what, what is the future? Because my opinion on this is I think, I think Southgate has looked at our squad, midfield especially, and it's recognised quite early on, maybe before the tournament, that we cannot dominate the ball against the so-called bigger teams. Mm-hmm. So he, he has gone, right, with that in mind, this is the way, this is our game plan, the the, the back eight, top three. Mm-hmm. That's it. I think after this Euros, England win it or don't win it, I, I don't think it matters. I think, it, I think either he stays and, and, has like a bit of a reform and gets like a, a ball playing central midfielder in there and we change style and we end up do you know, end up dominating the ball, you know, or a new man comes in and changes it again. I, I, I don't know. But Southgate wins the Euros. I think, I think, I don't think he stays on. Do you not? No, I don't, I don't think he does. I think, I think he, go, I think he. Bearing in mind there's a World Cup in well, a year and a half. If I, if I, if I won the Euros with England, I wouldn't stay on because <sighs> what, the chances are you're not going to win another trophy for another 67 years, whatever it is. So. I think it, I think it is a really, really difficult one. I think Southgate has been, yes, he's pragmatic, but I think if anything, he's probably been quite brave. Like you see the amount of people, the public, um, fans, they all want England to play a certain way, and he's resisted temptation every time to play that way. I think he's been quite clever, and and probably look back at you look back at all the tournaments. I think me and you spoke about this the other day as well that probably Spain, certainly that I can remember in my 24 years of life, are the only team that have gone to a tournament and really dominated, and you can guarantee, because they've kept the ball, because of the way their style of play, that they're going to win it straight away. Even if you look at Germany... That was quite new back then, wasn't yeah, it? it was. They're the only team doing it. Yeah, 100%. But then if you look at Germany when they won the World Cup in 2014, um, France won it 2018. You look at the other... Euro- I mean, Portugal won the last Euros in 2016. They didn't, Very similar they didn't win a game. No. They didn't win no. a game in 90 minutes <laughs> and still ended up going on to win the, the, the competition. I honestly think Southgate has taken a step back and, and had a look and just gone, right, we just need to find a way to win. And technically, that is all you need to do. Jose Mourinho style, oh, isn't it? It is, it is technically, you could say it is Jose Mourinho style, but it, I, I get where he's coming from. And, and then I also get the other side. I get the side of the listeners and I get the side of um, the fans going, come on, just excite us. But you've got to put winning above yeah. exciting. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. And at the moment, it's working. Yeah. So, but but if we go out to Ukraine, yeah, playing a similar style, there's an uproar, mm-hmm. a big uproar, and and it's it's that would be a catastrophe. But let's just trust, <laughs> trust in him. That's he's he's done his job so far. And uh, we, we have to just, I suppose, we have to trust him. Now, I think the last thing I want to touch on in the England game, um, certainly from a, from a coaching point of view, is, is 
any players listening out there in any position, you can go back and watch that game and there's something for you to learn about that game. I think fullbacks, they had to do both sides of the game. Um, defending was brilliant first half. Second half, they started to get in the game and were higher up the pitch. The striker we spoke about with Harry Kane, his movement, his finishing, we spoke about with wingers committing players, midfielders winning tackles, mm-hmm. playing balls forward, centre-halves being aggressive. Everybody, every type of position, you could look back at that game and, and certainly learn something from it. Agree. Agree. Yeah, so there we go. It's a, it, was a, it was a good performance. And uh, like we've spoken about, there's always going to be a debate. But fingers crossed, Saturday night or, or maybe when, on Sunday when we have another... Another chat about the England uh, England team. We're in a, we're in a, as positive place as we are now. But there we go. I think it's probably nice to, to move on to the to the next section. Um, going to talk about obviously the, the RB module, seen as two England goals came from crosses yesterday. Yeah. We've just finished our crossing and finishing module. Um, again, another really really good module. Um, all the players seem to really enjoy it. How can you not enjoy scoring goals? Um, but I was really impressed with the quality across all the centres as well. It, it was good. It, it's always an enjoyable module. The players love it because they get chances to assist and and score lots of goals with lots of repetition. Um, we spoke um, within the month as well, Kieran, about how many times do players actually get repetition of crosses or repetition of finishing from crosses or repetition of movement to create space to score crosses in their general grassroots academy syllabus? Mm. Hardly. I think, there might be an occasion where there's a cross in a, in a game at the end, but, but one repetition and then might get like, what, 10 throughout a season? But I think that's the interesting thing about crossing itself is that it, it, it doesn't happen as much as in a game as you think. So you don't get many opportunities to practice yeah. it, which is why really focusing on it is going to take the players to the next level with their ability of the crossing and finishing element. Agreed. So, you know, within the module, we got lots of repetition of the crossing element. So we worked on different types of crosses from different areas of the pitch, whether that be, um, I guess, a Beckham-type delivery. It might be like a, a low POMO cross. We call it POMO position of maximum opportunity. We looked at um, a cutback cross, which is really popular in the modern the modern game. Um, and we looked at kind of like that aerial crossing, didn't we? Um, so the repetition of that was key. <clears throat> the repetition of the movement, the timing of the movement, the direction, the double movements, how to create space. Because if you're no good at creating space, you don't get the opportunity to score. Um, and then the repetition of actually the finishing, the linking it to our golden rules of finishing from crosses, um, which the players will understand. And, you know, for the listeners out there, the golden rules are really simple. You know, hence Sterling's goal yesterday, Shaw's delivered a pomo cross, a cross in between the last defender and the goalkeeper, the ball's coming in front of Sterling, so he's used his back foot to score with no follow-through. He's kind of used the pace on the cross. If he uses his front foot there, he misses it or slices it. Falls over. Um, and an example of Kane's one, you know, from Grealish's cross, the golden rule was anything above the belly button, we said it's a header. And I think Kane's done really well to kind of stoop and head that as well. And the other golden rule was if the, if the cross is coming level with your body, using the front foot. Okay, and it's slightly behind you, the footwork and the adaptation to move your feet and then shoot with your front foot or even that kind of like clever, um, I call it a Jamie Vardy finish where you, you know you, you flick it through the bridge. Um, so linking, linking the cross to the movement, to the finish, because they all work together, you know, um, sometimes results in a goal, doesn't it? I was going to say, I think, I think the interesting thing about 
the, the poem across itself. I know, I know you've, you've said what it, what it actually means, but if you are able to put that ball across the box in that area between the sort of six-yard box and the penalty spot, it takes a touch. It takes one touch for that ball to go in the back of the net. It could be an own goal. And I said it to, to all the players when we, were, when we were doing the sessions that sometimes it might not even be a clean finish. Sometimes it might come off your knee could come off your your shin or something. But because of that area that you're putting the ball into, and if you've timed your run properly, one touch will, will end up in a goal. Um, and luckily last night we saw two perfect examples. But players have got to think about it's getting in there at the right time, which is for me is the most important thing. And the cross being the quality. I think arriving when you're sprinting was, was key. Yeah. Um, within, within this month, I, I've said to the players, don't, don't stand in the position where you want to score the goal. So, you know, flip that, you arrive into the position you want to score the goal because that makes you harder to track and mark and it makes you more unpredictable. So I think that's a really good um, really good phrase for the players to understand. But crossing, I think at a younger age, younger age group, I think the younger players just think crossing's crossing and it's just a hit and hope. When actually everything's linked to the eyes up, isn't it? So... If the players are in a wide position, ready to cross, if their eyes are up, they can assess the position of the goalie, the position of the defensive unit, the position of the attackers and the where the space is. And then that crosser has to make a quick decision of what type of cross is going to get it into the area that I need to cross, whether it's the Pomo area or a cutback or actually playing over the top and more of an aerial cross. So everything links to eyes, doesn't it? But then the crosser is all... The receiver of the cross is also linking the eyes to the timing mm -hmm. and the position of the defenders and the space available. And then they've got to work out, right, I've created the space. Now I need to work out what type of finish gets it in the goal. So, you know, I, I read a stat in one Premier League season, 414 assists, I think it was, from crosses um, or successful crosses being mm -hmm. actually met their target, whether it went in the goal or not. Mm -hmm. And there was something like 35,000 attempted crosses. So, so the, the, stat, the stats tell you that it's very difficult to actually score from a cross. So well, I think we explained that to the players in the module, didn't we? And we said, look, it's not going to go in all the time, but if you follow the basic principles, um, you know, you're going you're gonna to get success if you follow the golden rules and link everything together. I think I think the reason why it is so hard is because there's so many so many components that have to work together yeah. for, for it to actually out of your control as well. Be successful with the yeah. defenders and it, it, well it is it is certainly for the crosses that to begin with, you get yourself on the ball, you need to find yourself a yard of space to be able to deliver the ball. Um, but your type of cross depends on where the defenders are, what the attackers are doing, where the goalkeeper is. So there's there's already loads of decisions you've got to make there. You could put a cross in with too much pace and nobody gets on the end of it, not enough pace. The striker's got to think about oh, what cross is doing, where have I got to move? There's so many different components that have got to go um, into it to be a successful cross. But I think that that's why the session seems to work so well is because they've actually clicked. I could see it working with a few of the players. It's clicked in their head, right, if I do this, I'm in a better position. Or if I, even the, the crosses, for example, if they looked up and the movement wasn't necessarily there, for me, stick it in the Pomo zone. If you've got a chance, put it in the Pomo zone because something could still happen. We had about four or five own goals being scored. At the end of the day, you've still scored a goal. Was that Noel doing demonstration? <laughs> wasn't Noel. <laughs> uh, no, it was, uh, it was, it was, I think it was at the, the Colesville Centre when we were doing it on our, on our last, um, 
last session of the module. So it was just to sort of catch up before we went into the games. And it was just clicking with a few players that, look, even if the movement's not there, I'm, I've got the power of the crosser to still put it in that area. And you don't know what could happen in the yeah. end of it. You, I think when you get yourself in a, a chance to put a pomo cross in, you shouldn't turn it down. That's my thought on it. I think if you look at role models for finishing from crosses, there's no one better than Ronaldo. I used to watch like Hernandez from Man United as yeah. well. Um, he was very good at it. But if you watch Ronaldo's desire and his speed of movement and his and his aggression to find space in the box, it's just incredible. He, he usually uses like double movement, so he runs one way and goes the other, mm-hmm. or goes front to back or back to front. Um, but it's that it's that kind of positive mindset of thinking well, I'm going to make this run. If I keep doing it over and over again, eventually mm-hmm. the cross will find me. I think I think some players make a mistake of making a run, haven't got it two or three times, and they just decide not to make that run, and that's the time when probably they should have. Um, this is you know what watch elite strikers or even like prime Lampard was a good example, yeah, wasn't he? Always arrived, at you the know, right time. always arrives at the right time and knew when to arrive. Um, but then finishing from crosses is not easy. I was, it, just, I was just about to say, me personally, as a player, always struggle with it. Mm-hmm. Some of the demonstrations, been, don't get me wrong, have been amazing this month, but. I've always found it difficult oh, because the ball comes that fast and you've got to make a quick decision of what technique, which foot, mm-hmm. what body shape you, you need to be in to actually direct it on target. I, I just find it really difficult. And some of the kids this month, fin- some of the finishes have been incredible. Yeah, no, I'm actually quite jealous. I think, I think like you said, that it, it is really tough. And don't get me wrong, if, you, if that ball is delivered in the perfect area in the promo zone, it takes a touch. And like I said, it could be as scrappy as anything and it goes in. But... The hardest one for me was was the cut back cross because you were still cutting it back to about you know your penalty spot you're hoping mm-hmm. to aim for you're 12 yards out there you've got to get your technique right certainly leaning over the ball we, we try to get a near post finish that's not easy to do but like you said a, a lot of the players it did click with them and we did see some really good finishes certainly from the cut back crosses as well no it's been, it's been a really good module so we're looking forward to moving on to the finishing module next which yeah. is uh, again really exciting for the players um and we'll work on loads of different aspects of different types of finishes for different situations and different um, areas of the penalty box. Is Will defending be involved as well? Lots of defending, blocking shots as well. Um, a bit of goalkeeping actually as well, because we've got 1v1 with the goalkeeper um, session. So that, that takes us through to July, doesn't it? And then um, August, we've got our position-specific camps, which, um, which we always look forward to. We've got some um, unique ones this year, a bit different the way we're doing it. Um, and then, yeah, before you know it, the RB season will be finished at the end of September. And then we we start again, the cycle starts again. And that's when we start to see um, more development in the players as they go through the programme again. You know, I think we've always spoke about this, Kieran, is the players that have been with us for two plus years end up repeating the, the sessions, repeating them. That's when real development takes place. Yeah. Um just just touching on when we get to July with the uh, position-specific stuff, how's that working? Is it is it a book-on? Are we going to send out links for the players to book on to? Yeah, yeah. so we've got we've got the links. It's all part of your package. So, um, yeah, we'll send we'll send out links. We've got a couple of venues that you can um, you can come to um, and you can book on three of the position-specific camps, I think. And we've got we've got four four different aspects running. Um, so, yeah, we'll send out all the information, you know, that's not a problem. We've also got our football playground activities carrying on throughout July. We've got our futsal Fridays and our pre-academy still going strong. Um, and we've got our soccer camps back for the, for the whole of the summer. So um, loads of football to be done. And we've also got our tournament coming up here. So the next time we play the podcast, the module, we've 
we would have had our summer RB coach tournament. I think it's fully booked. There and, we go. Um, Hoping to see lots of you there. It's a Euros theme as well. So um, eight countries will compete against each other for the for the top prize. Um, everyone gets a final. Everyone gets a trophy to play for. So yeah, it's going to be the the tournament of the summer. We hope. Um, and we're looking forward to actually seeing some of you RB coaching parents and players playing for their grassroots clubs on the day. Yeah. Now, overall, look, lots to look forward to, um, certainly from England, from from an RB perspective and football playground perspective as well. There's, there's loads to look forward to, loads of football. Um, hopefully, you guys have enjoyed listening to the podcast, listening to us chatting about England. Obviously, we do this quite regularly, um, but we'll always break down what's going on at RB as well. So, keep listening. Um, thank you very much, Ryan. And uh, we'll see you all soon, guys. Thank you. Take care.